Welcome to this episode of the Context Podcast by Proofgeist. I'm your host, Martha Zink, and this is where we get to talk about whatever is going on in the FileMaker community. In this episode, Mike Purley from Prodigy Promos joins Todd Geist, Corn Walker, and me to talk about SimpleQ. What's SimpleQ? It's a messaging service built in FileMaker that allows applications to work together in a loosely coupled way. All right, on the podcast today, we have Todd Geist, Corn Walker, and a special guest, Mike Purley, who is one of our rock star clients and also one of the wittiest people I know. Um, Mike, do you want to give us a little introduction of who you are? Yeah, um, I work with Prodigy Promos. I kind of handle finance and operations, and uh, we're a custom merchandise company, so swag. We do manufacturing, distributing, fulfillment, online stores, pretty much the whole stack. Awesome. And I think it's worth mentioning that Prodigy Promos made both shirts for Auto Enter Live and Pause. For those that can't see us because they're yeah. not on YouTube, Mike and I are twinsies today wearing we are. Pause, Pause shirts. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. I would have worn I mine. I know. It was it's a test. It's in the car. It's in the car oh. even. Oh, it was a test. I mean, we'll give you partial credit this time. <laughs> All right. Hey, so today just, we... Just pause this and, and I'll go run and get it. <laughs> Automatic. <laughs> Um, all right, so today we wanted to talk about SimpleQ, um, and I don't know if we've given SimpleQ a lot of airtime on the podcast, so I thought maybe, Corn, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Todd, maybe you can add some just about what SimpleQ is, what, where people can find it, that kind of thing? Sure. I can start with, because um, there's a history behind it, which is back, um, I don't know, a long time ago, I was trying to figure out a problem. So we have an education software solution that we were uh, marketing. And the problem that I ended up having was that I never knew how many um, modules they were going to purchase. So they might have our admissions module, they might have our transcripts module, or, you know, any number of things. And I was trying to figure out how do I connect these things. And what we had done in the past is like, well, we're just going to deliver all of them. Because we don't want to go through the hard work of breaking connections between modules and stubbing them out and, and like, that's just a lot of work. We'll just secretly install all of them and hope they don't realize that they haven't paid for this one, but they're actually getting it anyway. Um, so I was trying to figure out a, a way to solve this problem. And so what I did was I created a file and I was like, well, what if I have this file and all it is is it's like a list of like all of the scripts that need to be run when this object gets updated. And I can add a script or delete a script from that list. And once I did that, like, you know, so if you don't have the transcripts module, you don't get an update to the transcript, you know, when the grade is changed or, or something like that. So I had just sort of figured this out and I was like, you know, this was just for our, our education package. And then I took it to Ernest and Ernest is like, oh, we should just make this generic and, and make it just a simple thing. And so we were looking at two different models. One is a Q model and the other one is a publish and subscribe model. And we looked at, we, you know, one of the things that we said is like, should we reinvent the wheel? Let's not reinvent the wheel. At the time, um, Redis was the biggest one out there. And, but the interfaces to it weren't complete. You know, there wasn't a really a full functioning REST API for it yet. So, and there was also a complexity to it. You know, there's a the whole thing of like, well, if we do it that way, can everybody on the team support it? And if we can't have the entire team support it, then that's probably not a good strategy where it's only one person can support this. So we decided to basically implement a pub sub model inside of FileMaker that then became sort of a hybrid of pub sub and of queuing. And so we called that F and pub sub for a while. And then somebody brilliant at the company, I don't remember who said, yeah, that's a terrible name. Let's call it simple Q. And it was Ernest. It was Ernest. Was it Ernest? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I was like, yeah, great. Cause F and pub sub is boring. And you know, the whole FM thing kind of, yeah. So, you know, having everything prefixed with FM was, was, you know, seemed like a decade old. <laughs> At the time, and now we have to make it CL pub sub, which would be <laughs> exactly CL. <laughs> CLQ. No, that that doesn't ring. Um, yeah, or CL pub Maybe sub. We'll, we'll, no. we'll pass no. it by marketing, but I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, whoever's in marketing will. 
<laughs> so anyway, um, so what Simple Queue is, is it's a way to loosely couple your database together instead of having it hard coupled. So in our education thing before, we were literally from our academics module, calling a script in transcripts, calling a script in you know, the advancement solution, calling a script in the admissions solution. And those scripts were in there. It's like perform script to do this. And if you didn't have the advancement solution, which you know people did because we secretly gave it to them, but if you if you didn't have it, air quotes, um, then it would break. Like if you didn't actually install it, you know, and you don't know where all of those points are in the code. You don't know where all of those points are that are touching admissions or touching advancement. And so, we didn't want the user to get script not found, you know, file not found, like you know, errors here and there. And so it's like, oh, if we could make this loose, if we could say, I don't know if the listener is there. I don't know if advancement's there listening. But I'm just going to send a message and that message is going to be held somewhere. And then advancement can pick that up or it can be delivered to advancement later. And that did two things. One is it actually sped up the solution a lot. Because a lot of times when you're doing these things and you have to push this data out here and push this data out there and push this data out there, well, now it becomes asynchronous. So I don't have to worry about like now the client who has just done like a little task, as far as they know, they've done a minor thing, but that has cascaded into all of these other tasks that had to be run. And before simple queue, they had to be run synchronously. So the user has done some small task and now they're sitting there waiting three minutes, four minutes for advancement to do its thing and admissions to do its thing and transcripts to do its thing. And it's like, well, why? And then the second thing was now I no longer had to worry about what that system is on the other end. So that system could be FileMaker. It could be something entirely different now. So I could be listening. I could be publishing a message to SimpleQ that, you know, I have done something. I've updated this record. I've done whatever. And I don't have to know what system is actually listening to that. So if it's, you know, if I have like a little FileMaker file that's pushing it out to a web service or doing something else, that's great. You know, I don't need to code all of that into each of my solutions. I can code that once into like a simple queue helper file or something like that. And then it does, it handles all of that work. And then with the help of auto, it turns out we can go in the opposite direction. So we can have all of these other services out there and they can be sending messages. They can have things that they've updated that goes into auto, goes into simple queue, and now my FileMaker system can get notified of that. So it turned out to just be like at the right time when everybody is starting to look at like, how do we integrate all of these things, but how do we do it so that it's not just like these hard coupling between them? Um, simple queue, I had built it for a different purpose, but it turned out to fit this pretty well, I think. Yeah, one other thing I would add to this and sort of in the way things have changed over the last say five years it's been going the change has been happening for a decade or more but really sped up in the last uh, five years where a lot of the code or a lot of the the code that's running in your solution is not being run as the result of somebody pushing a button sitting in front of a screen entering entering some data pressing a button to go, you know, process an invoice or do, you know, do whatever it is. More and more what's happening is that is that initial um, uh, impulse or the, the, you know, whatever the thing that's going to trigger it is not a human. It's some other system. Uh, some other system says, oh, uh, we just got an order in the shopping cart and, and the shopping cart sends a signal out, got an order. And that, and the other systems that are listening for orders have to be able to respond to that. Um, and there's nobody watching. There's nobody there. So it's a very, it's very different than the way we used to code things. But it turns out to be just, uh, it turns out to have, you know, having a central hub where you can manage that kind of communication um, makes that process a lot easier because you're doing smart things like, you know, capturing errors and and you're able to see when something isn't working. You're able to to retry with the debugger and make sure that that you know if, if some script failed, you have all the information you need to reprocess that event and get it to work, so that the next time that event flows into your system, it'll just work. So um, 
you know, all of that. So all of these things have kind of come together to create uh, just a really powerful use case for something like Simple Queue, whether it's loosely coupling your 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 FileMaker apps or integrating your FileMaker apps with other systems or just the fact that a lot of stuff is just automated now and there's not a person pressing a button. In fact, in our in our internal system where we use to to run our company, it's mostly a giant Simple Queue implementation that Simple Queue is just getting messages from all these different apps, processing things, sending things out, uh, processing data, updating summary tables and all that stuff. There's very little human interaction with that system. It's mostly all automated through something like Simple Queue. Through, well, in this case, something exactly like Simple Queue. It is Simple Queue. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Not like it is. Yeah. Now, I remember a year ago, I was in Salt Lake City with Mike for a client on site, for, for an on site. And um, I don't know how we got into it, Mike, but we started Simple Queue came up. And and I, I think I had promised you I was going to get you a copy of this file, right? Yeah. Is that what it was? I was waiting. Yeah. Yep, and and you, I was we were face to face. I had no choice but to give you this file. And Todd was like, "It's not ready. It's not. It's not even beta yet." And I said, "I trust Mike. He knows the caveats. It will be okay." And then we gave you a file finally. So what was that like? How are you using? Yeah, that? in our industry, you have suppliers and you have distributors. The suppliers, you know, have a widget or something that is blank, and they take your artwork, slap it on there, and then send it on to your uh, end user. And if you're just working from your basement, that's a great, you know, uh, little business to have, but we grew and we got into manufacturing. Um, and so the software we had that was really just a one trick pony no longer really met our needs. And it was this really old and kind of antiquated, antiquated system, um, that everyone was used to using, um, and didn't want to change. And so. I got into FileMaker um, by just trying to enhance that system, um, but just ran into lots of you know uh, roadblocks where um, the the reading of that data was slow, right? And so we solved that by just having a shadow copy of the database, and then the updating of that was slow. Um, and if we wanted to integrate you know package tracking, there just wasn't anything. And so we kind of knew that we needed to get away from this system but it wasn't going to be something we would just replace with a different ERP. So we kind of just kept building on all these little, what I call band-aids. Um, and before long, you know, uh, these were things that our teams would just use behind the scenes to enhance missing features um, yeah. in this product. But slowly over time, those band-aid applications tended to become more uh, front-facing. Um, but we never started this integration with a, master plan and so we'd have an issue we'd create a file we had another issue we would create another file and so we just had all these different files and then trying to tie those in into some sort of coherent um process was just you know really that's where we came to proof guys and we're like we think we just need to slash and burn you know and build this from scratch um but that just wasn't a possibility we had to find a way to get from where we were to where we wanted to be and that's where simple queue has really come into to play that role because um, these different systems now, instead of having to try to find a way to link them all together, uh, we could just start passing messages um, between the systems. And in working with your team, um, we can even actually program concurrently, you know, in our systems and not have to worry about coordinating updates or feature sets or anything like that. Uh, we can just say, you know, we're going to push that to Simple Cube, right? Offload it to there, and we can keep working independently, you know, while we still try to, you know, get to that uh, same goal of, of replacing the system in its entirety. But like Todd said, you know, there's, even if we, or even when we get our system updated, there's still going to be integrations with shopping carts, um, with other system providers, uh, carriers. We do a lot of track, tracking and shipping. Um, that's not anything we're going to bring in-house, nor do we want to bring in-house. And so we have a way to just kind of a pattern now to integrate all of those uh, features and functionality. And it's something we don't even think about. So Simple Queue with Auto, um, those two combined, you know, have really changed uh, everything for us. Pretty cool. I, I should probably explain a little bit what the role Auto is playing here. Um, so Auto is our, is our 
our server enhancement, our server superpowers app that you can put on your FileMaker server. And it does a lot of things. And I won't go into all the things it does, but one of the things it does, and which um, we're talking about here, is it, it, it's, it makes it very easy for you to accept webhooks from third-party systems into your FileMaker app. Uh, so you can very easily just, just by uh, creating a URL it will um, and giving that to something like a shopping cart, the shopping cart will then send a new order to that URL and auto will take that URL, a short way to say it, it just puts it into SimpleQueue and then SimpleQueue then distributes it to whatever systems need to know about new orders. And so SimpleQueue handles the handles the queuing and the and that distribution of those messages out to the different FileMaker apps. And auto is just providing this way to uh, expose an inbox, if you will, to SimpleQueue to the world so that you can accept, accept data payloads from pretty much any third-party service that's, that can send webhooks, which is most these days. And any, any really popular SaaS application uh, probably sends outbound webhooks when something changes in their system for exactly this reason to make it easier for, for you to integrate with those systems. And so that's all that Auto's doing here is just kind of making a inbox for your server that um, that will then um, uh, can queue that or can send that message through to SimpleQueue or really to any FileMaker file. But we just, we've just uh, settled on this model of using SimpleQueue as the place where these messages land first and then they are distributed out to, to the other systems. And so that's what you're doing, Mike. So in terms of like, so you probably have things coming from third parties and you probably also have inter FileMaker message path, um, passing as well. Is that true? Yeah. And in fact, we started with auto and just using those in-home inbound webhooks. Oh, okay. But imagine right. now all these different files that we had, we had to build that inbound process in each of those files. Yeah. And so when I first learned about, and actually, I, um, I don't know if, if, if you're aware, but back in the day, there was a Twitter account that was just scraping your Vimeo um, yeah. the URL. And yeah. uh, whenever a, photo, a video was posted, you know, they, they'd post it. So that's where I first found out about FM PubSub yeah. was, I think, just something that was internally. And so when I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And that's why I was giving Martha such a hard time because I knew that instead of having to build that receiver file in each or layout in each file, we just have one central place. Um, and so it, it did change. It, it turned uh, simple queue into the hub, you know, and all these files then became the different spokes. Um, so we quickly abandoned, you know, using just the auto uh, webhooks in favor of simple queue. Yeah. But yeah, we have uh, we have a bunch of FileMaker files that we're trying to trim down, but we have uh, our warehouse management system. That's an online application. We have Shopify stores, WooCommerce stores. Um, and all the different UPS, FedEx, um, and other shipping providers that are we're either using to buy postage um, or, or packaging services and also to get real-time updates um, as packages move throughout our system. And So how do you make the decision? This is, this is the interesting thing. One of the interesting things you get to do when you have something like SimpleQueue in place. You, know, you have all these different files, and you have, and you, you, know, you have a goal of trying to reduce the number of files and currently using simple queue to kind of let them all communicate. But then it gets interesting because how do you decide which ones to get rid of? And like, be, because once the pressure is off, like once they work as standalone modules, it's kind of like, Hmm, well, I don't know, maybe this app's fine standalone, you know? So it's always, it's always interesting to, to kind of walk through that process of, okay, so then how do we decide what to consolidate? Yeah, for us, a lot of it comes down to maintainability and just reducing complexity. Um, you might have a file that you put up on the server years ago that has one specific service. And now with SimpleQueue, like, there really isn't any pressure to get rid of it. That's it's right. nice that yeah. you have that option. Um, really, it's just more of our long-term goal to kind of have one code base, you know. Um, and so the mic from 2000 you know, in 12, who knew nothing about FileMaker and who, you know, slapped something together, right? We can kind of ignore that that person existed and get rid of that and, you know, focus on some more modern techniques. And um, again, it comes 
back to just maintainability and, and not having to remember what file in this whole mix of um, mayhem you know you need to go to find. Yeah, but the and, and the cool thing is is that you but 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 you're not blocked by Mike and you know Mike nope. to 2012 because as long as that file is doing what it needs to do, you can kind of ignore it and go build other things in a better way. And eventually you will be able to replace it with something new. But, you know, the alternative that I think a lot of people try to go down because there is a really strong pull to try to make things cleaner and more maintainable. And we all feel that like when we're looking at a system, that's a mess and, and it's just hard to add new features to and hard to, to, um, you know, it's just hard to make progress that we want to make. So we think, okay, I just gotta, I gotta, I just gotta bite the bullet and rewrite this whole thing from scratch. And what you've just done when you do that is delayed any new features for the business until you've completed that process, which nine times out of 10, you will never complete. So you know that that's the reality, right? You go down this road, we've all done it many times. Like, okay, I'm going to do it right this time. And then you get a month into it and you're like, oh, I just got to fix the thing because it's broken and business needs it to keep running. And so we have to just, we have to keep that business continuity going. And so, um, you know, having simple queue just kind of relieves that pressure and lets you do it at your own pace when you have the time and the resource budget to do it, which is a big part yeah, of the magic. It's funny because it's been, it's become kind of a bit in the weekly meetings that we have with, uh, Proofgeist, um, <laughs> where we'll talk about a feature and we'll talk about, you know, where we're at and implementing it. And, you know, we say, oh, we'll, we'll just, we'll just send a message, you know, and we'll <laughs> deal with it, you know, we'll offload it. Um, but you're right in that um, where we had to spend a lot of time talking about coordination, you know, yeah. this needs to happen. Your system needs to stop doing it on this day and we're going to do it on this day. And this whole, you know, um, you just, just, process of coordinating when we're going to stop something and start it now they're interchangeable parts and so we can just say we don't you know that that can still consume the message we're not going to change anything that the old file is doing right but we're just going to have that process run by the the new you know um, file or the, the the feature that we're working on so really it's just a matter of turning off one place and enabling another um and so we are getting features out faster because um you know it's, it's unique that i'm still I'm trying to, to develop only the things that really only I have to right. um, and not try to make the team get bogged down and having to understand all this introducer knowledge that really is not um, all that valuable in where we're going. Um, so I can still, you know, mess with that little piece until we're ready to replace it. Um, so it gives a lot of freedom uh, to not have to worry about coordinating. We can get features out faster um, and we don't have to have a conversation about, you know, Let's let's get a Gantt chart out and figure out yeah. you know what the the plan is here. Yeah, because because if you, um, I mean, you've got a picture the way this is working. This is just data streams flowing around, right? So and, and they can split, and you can have the same data go to go to multiple systems, which means that while you're replacing a system, you can keep the old one going the same way it was, mm -hmm. and you can actually see well, is it doing the same thing? Is it working? And maybe that old one has one little feature you're not ever going to turn off and you can just leave that. And then the other rest of the data is flowing to the other system and now you're building new features. So that, that ability to just, um, to just uh, sort of, you know, piecemeal it as you need to and, and kind of rebuild it in place almost without disrupting the things that are, that are ongoing is just magic. It's a big deal. I think one of the cool things about, having worked when, when we were working on files. So our team was working on one file. Mike is working on another file. And we talk about coordinating those two working with simple queue. When we said we were going to use it, it, we talk about things differently because there are now two components. There's the in and the out, right? Or the out and the in. And so whenever we're working on my side of the, on our side of the file, the proof guy side of the file, we're like, what do you need, Mike? And he'll say, I need these things. And we're like, cool. And we don't actually worry about the other half of the problem because it's right. not our problem, right? That's simple cue and Mike will figure that out. Um, and it's really nice to actually think about things in a, in a more in a split way because I, we get to focus on our side more, right? We get like the problem that we're trying to solve is much clearer. 
Um, so I'm sorry, Mike, I often throw you under the bus and I'm like, I don't know, Michael figured out. <laughs> that's right. No, that's, that's right. the beauty of it because it really is a cord because developing software with more than one person is really a coordination problem more than anything mm -hmm. else. And the more, the more people you have, the, 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 the higher, the, the more friction that problem adds. So the ability to say, Mike needs these three fields and that's it whenever this data changes. And we don't actually have to know even what Mike's doing with those three fields is the magic because that removes that removes now now you don't have to go and absorb all of that information that that Mike needs to know to take those three fields and do what he ever needs to never needs to do with. You don't have to deal with it. You just have to worry about how to produce those three fields. Yeah. And so everybody's problem gets simpler. Yeah. Well, that's the why we call it simple Q. Imagine there we that. go. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> the marketing team did such a good job. Thanks, Ernest. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was that, uh, no, I lost it because you were too good with your oh, marketing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One so, interesting thing that. Yeah, go. Oh, sorry. Just maybe not something that was intended, but um, SimpleQ actually has allowed us to build some redundancy into some of our uh, workflows that you know, depending on how a webhook, whether it's sent or consumed, um, if it, if it fails in one point, usually then that whole process would fail. Um, but it actually allows us to build some redundancy. And, and one example I'll use is we have a shopping cart and we have a WMS and both of them, you know, are supposed to talk to each other. Um, and then we have our old antiquated system where we need to have a, essentially need to generate a, a shared key, you know, a, an identifier between the three systems. And so, We'll get some order data, put it, you know, consume that in our antiquated system um, just to generate that um, identifier and so that we can bill it out of our, our old system. But we also need to fulfill it, you know, and we send that through our WMS. There are times where the message to from the shopping cart to the WMS will fail, but it will succeed from simple queue. And we can, you know, run our process, see that it failed within the WMS and then initiate a trigger for it to try again. Right. Um, whereas before we might just wake up and see that, you know, there are three orders uh, that didn't import. Um, and we might only find that out when our customer calls and says, what's the status of my order. order. <laughs> so that, that was maybe an unintended, um, you know, benefit of that too, is now we actually, instead of just having this um, bi-directional communication, we actually have kind of this network effect between the different systems that can kind of build some robustness and, uh, and, and whatnot into it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other thoughts I had was that um, when we think of your files, one of the reasons to use SimpleQ is to connect two systems that can't or shouldn't talk to each other, but that's actually not how we're using it in part of your solution, right? So the files can talk to each other and do know about each other, but we really are using SimpleQ as the way to trigger something, right? So it's not that I, we might just give you a single ID field or something, right? It's an ID and a status, and then you're going to go and grab the related data from that other file as you need it, right? Mm -hmm. So I, th I think I don't think the files have to be separate, right? So it's just no. you know, in some cases yeah. that's true, and I think that makes a lot of sense. But they don't have to be. So I liked I liked walking through that whole process to realize that it it, it really is a queuing system, right? It really is an order of operations thing and a, a notification system in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, they could be the same file. The 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 file that sends and the file that that receives can be the same file and there are reasons to do that because you don't i mean you know the simplest one is like oftentimes people well ever since perform script on server came around we would we would write a script and then we would write a perform script on server to trigger it to to run on server so that we didn't have to you know burden the the ui with waiting for some long process to run and so we would write the same thing over and over and over again. Now we just simply have to send that mess, send that payload to SimpleQ. SimpleQ handles all the perform script on server stuff. It does everything you need to do, and you don't have to repeat that logic of queuing or offloading to the server everywhere. So even in a single file, it's useful for those kinds of things. Yeah, and I would echo that with um, sometimes you can get thrashing on server if you're firing off too many perform script on server That's scripts. Right. Um, so, and one of the reasons that I had done this as well was because one of the operations was exactly that, you know, the user does something, it's going to spawn a process that's going to take a long time to complete. The user doesn't have to wait for that. Normally I just say perform script on server, don't wait. 
Well, if the user is just churning through data and kicks off 10, 15, 20, 30 of those long processes, now server is choking on all of these things that it has to handle. Whereas if you kick them off to simple queue, well, simple queue isn't spawning 20 perform script on server processes. Simple queue can manage it um, where it's doing in a single process, it's handling all of those things. And so you don't have this like all of a sudden out of control um, server scripts that are bringing no. the, the performance down for everyone. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think we explained that. It's probably worth explaining yeah. how that that how that happens. So basically the way the simple queue works is your app or system just sends a message to it. And, what's, and what happens is that message goes into a queue, it goes into a message queue, and there are um, what are called subscribers. So subscribers are any other system that's going to listen for a message, and those messages are divvied up into channels. So I might have a channel where these are all customer updates. So whenever any update happens for a customer, I've got the customer update channel. I might have an order update channel. And so any messages that are around orders go to that channel. And then we have different systems that are subscribing to different channels. So I might have another system over here, which is only concerned about, I don't care about who the customer is. I just want to see what orders are happening because I need to figure out packaging, shipping, et cetera. I need to, to get that process rolling. So it's only looking at that channel. So what happens is you send a message to simple queue, it goes into the queue, and then there's a process that goes through and it, it sweeps through the queue and it clears out messages there. So it looks for messages in the queue that need to be delivered. And then it will take that message and that message payload is whatever you want it to be. Um, we typically advise JSON because JSON is wonderful, um, but it can really be whatever, it can be XML if you want. <laughs> And it will deliver that message payload to a script in your system. So you have a system, all you're doing as a subscriber is saying, hey, if you have a message for me, call this script. And so SimpleQ will call that script with the message payload as the script parameter. And then you're off to the races. You can do whatever you want with that. You can ignore it. You can process it, et cetera. And then you have the ability also to send a result back to simple queue. So you can say, hey, actually I had an error when I was trying to process this. And then simple queue can say, okay, no biggie. I'll retry it again later. And it'll continue going through the message queue, sending out messages. And then once it's finished going through the queue, it can come back through and sweep again and say, okay, what messages haven't been delivered? And so if your message wasn't delivered because of an error, it'll retry again. Yeah, and a couple of things to add to that. So when we say a message queue, all we really mean by a message queue is a record in a FileMaker database with a field in it that has the JSON payload in it. It's not like anything. This is all this is all native FileMaker. Did we say that? I'm not yeah. sure we said that. I don't think we did. This is all built with just regular old FileMaker and FileMaker server. Um, it does require FileMaker server because that queue flushing that Corn just mentioned is happening on the server. So when a when a payload is dumped into Simple Queue into that queue, uh, the FileMaker server, once a minute, will start to sweep through that. Uh, it'll look for all the records that haven't been delivered or that had an error of a certain type, and it will try to, it will it will resend those, it'll, or it'll send those messages. And that's all happening on the server, which is why the performance benefits are, are so great, because it's right next to the data that stuff's happening really, really quickly. And it's FileMaker server doing one script schedule session at a time, rather, as Corwin was yeah. mentioning before, a dozen per, or more perform script on server sessions that eventually every session that gets spun up on the server to run a script is a virtual client, a virtual mm -hmm. FileMaker client, and each one of those carries weight. And if you tried to do 100, which I think you can now do 100 yeah. perform script on server sessions, and your server is like a little tiny server you're going to have a problem that's going to really tank. So that's that's kind of some of the magic that's built in there is that all you have to do is get the message into the pay, into the into that queue. You get it into that field in FileMaker, the server takes over, spins up a session, finds all the messages that have to get sent and sends them all to the to the subscribers that are that are listening for those particular channels, those particular types of payloads. And that's it. So yeah, pretty nifty. And it scales pretty wonderfully. I'm curious, Mike, if you 
you know, what kind of load are you are you running through here? Do you know how many messages are getting sent through? Uh, well, um, if we're talking about the, you know, just messages from our shipping carriers, um, that can be thousands of day. Um, and if I make a mistake, which I have in the past where I had a routine, you know, I I talked about this, uh, shadow copy of the database of a legacy system. And we used to just, you know, truncate all those tables and then via ODBC import them all back. Right. And I'd made a change where, I identified just when a record had been modified you know, using some hashes and whatnot. Um, and when I you know, noticed a, an update, I would just flag that field. And then at the end of every update, I would run a process that would just check to see which orders you know had been updated. And I would fire off a simple queue message for each one of those, right? So that it could publish that to the other systems con- consuming it. Um, but I made a mistake where um, I inadvertently f- caused the flag on every order to be um, marked as modified. And never so I think that. we had nine. I've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I get a call from everyone saying, hey, why is uh, the system running really, really slow? But I I had essentially uh, re-imported, you know, like the 90,000, you know, records that we've had from the past, you know, 12 years or, or so. And uh, it took a while. I mean, it ended up being tens of thousands of messages. But it took about an hour to clear and then everything was back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. I've done the same thing where it's like, I'll dump 10,000 records into simple queue and then be like, Oh boy. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, depending on what they are and what they're doing, what kind of indexes they have to modify as these things are getting created, it can, it can take a while, but the fact is it just worked like there, you know, it chugged through and did them all. There were no yep. issues. Every single one got done. And at the end of the day, there wasn't a problem. Yeah, there was no crashing. There was no, you know, lost connections. It just, it just took a while to turn through it. Um, and we learned from that and made sure it didn't happen again. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it handled it just fine. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've seen, I mean, we've had it running hard for, uh, wow, well, at least over a year um, at this point. And we really haven't had any problems. I mean, it's ingesting. I don't even know how many messages, but like, you know, looking at the message queue, because we keep all the data in there, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it just, it's just so slow to, 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 uh, to scroll because there's just so many records in that yeah. thing. It's like crazy. And it never blinks. Like, we just don't have any problems. Uh, well, so it's, side... it's really, it's really made our system much more robust than, than fr- frankly, than I was expecting. It's just, it's just rock solid. Yeah. Another side benefit that we've experienced is, uh, is almost kind of like a built-in, it's not perfect, but like a little log of everything yeah. that's going on. Um, and so instead of having to go through, you know, 10 different tables to see where did things, you know, fail, you can go to simple queue and just say, Hey, which of these messages, you know, do I need to retry because they failed? Um, it's also great for testing because you can just keep running the same payload yeah. over and over and over again, instead of having to jump into something like Postman and constantly send those. It's, it's not a big deal, but again, it's a quality of life feature that uh i think is not insignificant yeah it's that's a big one yeah we added that retry button pretty early on in the in the day in the in the in the development because it's just so useful to just sit on that message and just you know resend it to the subscriber until the subscriber gets it right because sometimes especially like when you're writing that that script that's going to take the data in well you haven't written it but you have a payload right and so now you like in the old days of even even just sitting down to write that script for the first time, how would you do it? Right? It's like, well, I I, I can see there's a and the documentation it says this is what the JSON's gonna be. So okay, let me sit down and start writing the script. And okay, I'm gonna get this JSON object in my script parameter and now I'll parse it out and how do I test? Well, it's you know, you would have to somehow come up with a way to send that JSON in using Postman or something like that. Now you can literally just you can literally just send the webhook from that system, just publish it. It'll go into Simple Queue, and then you go to the record in Simple Queue where the subscriber is, and you just say retry, <laughs> and then you just write your script as you're retrying until it's completely done, and then you and then you've got it. And so it even makes writing the scripts initially easier than having to do it yeah. all from scratch. 
especially when you're dealing with external systems. I mean, I know if you had the payload once, you could put it in Postman, you could keep sending it there. But, you know, before I had any of those skills, um, I probably would have been tempted to go to WooCommerce and make a bunch of fake orders, you yeah. know, and just keep sending those through yeah. just to get something to test. And now you can take one order and it could be, it could be real and, and just try that over and over and over yeah. again. So, um, yeah, those quality of life things are, are important and valuable. Yeah. There's a, you know, to do this well and at scale, there's a lot of little tricky things you got to do. And, you know, like, like we've been receiving webhooks for quite a while into multiple files, like, like you talked about doing. And the problem was, is that there were a bunch of little tricky things to do right in each one. And, um, and so having a system that's designed for this is, is pretty helpful. Uh, just having the one place to go for that. And now we're going to, we're going to be that we've got some new ideas. At least I do. I think corn does too. <laughs> um, and especially now with FileMaker 2023, there's a couple of new things that make simple queue even more interesting. Um, have you played around with any of that yet, Mike? Uh, there's one that I haven't had a chance to test yet, but that is intriguing. I'm trying to find a use case that would actually be used in, in practice and not just, you know, an excuse to use it, but the performance on server with callback is something that, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see we how that will work. I hadn't thought of that one. That's a good one. Um, that's an interesting, it's not perform script by callback by name though. It's. Is that right or is well, it by... no it is it's not by name but it's it's um it's easily I, worked around because if you your callback script it, right yeah yeah if you if your callback script is a handler that takes as a parameter a script name and then it can do the perform script by name it's an easy workaround so it you know it just does the way you want it to do it yeah you know i hadn't thought yeah. of that but there's a that's some that is some and your callback your right? callback script could just be the you know, publish message to SimpleQ and yeah, you know, it comes a universal script that. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that one. The one that I was thinking about was on window transaction. Yeah. Which, that's probably the other one. Now means you can just publish changes automatically to SimpleQ if you wanted to for right. something. Yeah. So that, yeah. Um, yeah. So instead of having to like, you know, capture a change somehow and then send it with some process or with somebody doing it, you could now, you know, if some record changes in your FileMaker file, you could, you could send whatever payload you want to SimpleQ every time. Right. Without having to add uh, any other code. How does that, and I don't know if you've tested either, does that work on a per record basis or what I'm imagining if you had like a, a list view, you know, um, in your window, does that act any differently than if you were just in browsing one particular well corn and i know corn yeah. and martha have been working on this exact thing <laughs> they can tell us yeah it, it actually so it's it's basically on record commit so okay you know and since filemaker 7 you've had we've implicitly had transactions and it's using that same mechanism so you have a window you have a record you can have related records as well any changes that are happening to records in that window that's Part of the transaction once that commits that data you know before that data is committed is shipped off um, as the script parameter to whatever script you specify in your on windows transaction and the way you do that is you specify a specific field in your data table so each data table that you want to track that you want to capture that data from you just create a field in there it each table has to have the field of the same name so you might call it, you know, transaction log or or data or as JSON or whatever. I like to do a JSON representation of the table, um, and then I throw in some other stuff in there like modification count, whether a you know the name of a script that's running, perhaps. So I can throw all of that into a JSON field, and then that's going to come as a parameter to my script. So when I specify a script, um, you know, it's a, it's in the file options, so it's on window transaction but it's actually specified in the file options area of the file. And okay. so you specify that script that's going to handle it. And so it's going to get a, that packet and, you know, it's going to be a JSON parameter that's sent to you. And then whatever's in that particular field for every record that was modified. So if that's whether it was created, um, updated or deleted. Um, it's going to send that JSON for those records. And that's all including be deletion, including really deletion. Hard. Yeah. yeah, that's the best that one. Was the I'm, one still, that, I'm still loving that. Yeah. I'm so excited about that. That was the one. Thing. 
<laughs> like everybody else, I've tried building audit log systems, um, and deletion is always the hard one. Yeah. And you know the way that I tried doing it was, I put in the security schema settings. I put like this SQL statement that would write out. So I was using a plugin to write use SQL to write the record contents to a whole nother table and then returning the zero or the one to say, yes, you can delete this record or no, you can't. As you can imagine, that was really slow. Yeah. Um, well, and the other way was to overdo the menu yeah. and have the menu fake yeah. delete something, flag it yeah. as delete, yeah. and then the server would go record something and then delete the yeah. record, right? It, it always such a pain to remember where I did that and where I didn't. And yeah. sometimes it was exactly. too slow. Yeah. Now, now, Corin, one thing you said there yeah. caught my attention and I'm not sure, okay. I'm not sure if, if I heard you right or not, but you said before commit, the payload is sent off. Not, is that right? So the, yeah, so before commit, the payload is, um, it's read. So whatever's in that data okay. field. So you have that data field. Got it. Okay. Before the record is committed, that data field is read. Yep. And then the commit happens and then the script is triggered. So it's not okay, a good. Commit I, guess, I was worried. Trigger. I was worried that if it yeah. were if revert happened, then the no. signal would be wrong. So, yeah. so the no, signal no, no. is accurate that this no. is the change that was just made to the database. Yeah. Yeah. And so now in terms of like a simple queue process, whereas before it would have been quite hard to make a message for like, let's say order deleted, right? You would have had to, you would have had to work around. I mean, you could do it, especially, I mean, it definitely weighs, but now you can literally just attach it to the record and say, if this yep. record is deleted by any means, send an order deleted message to no, message. To not by any means. So there are limitations to it. Yeah. <laughs> the only limitations are the data APIs though, right? Yeah. Data API or ODBC. So yes, those interfaces yeah. aren't captured with the on window transaction. That's right. But, but. But if you make your edits with a script through those yes. APIs, yep. it works. So mm -hmm. if you're using simple queue to communicate, let's say you have a web form coming in or something like that, and it's coming through simple queue or, or, or through auto, whatever, it's coming into the data API and you're running a script, which is what mm -hmm. simple queue is going to do. Then, then those changes are updated. Yes, so it, absolutely. It is, it is, it is. Yep. So, you know, kind of a general rule, if you want your audit log or if you want your signals to be accurate, don't, you're, you can query the databases right. with, with those APIs, but don't make mutations, don't change data yeah. unless you do it via script, which is actually how we do yeah. it a lot anyway, because I, I was gonna say, it's always safer. That's the that way, way I do it. It's yeah. always safer. Like, and right. I'm going to, I, I'm going to want to do stuff anyway, because, you know, I don't want somebody to have to understand my entire data model to be able to say, oh, I want to update this person's name. Right. Right. Exactly. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. give me the name, run my script. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. With, I know you're still just testing this, but do you see the combination of something like simple queue and these on window transaction, um, scripts as, as replacing some of these sync systems that have been kind of created? in the past to kind of keep two systems yeah. uh, in sync or? Yeah, I mean, so syncing, I always, whenever anybody says sync, I always say, slow down there. <laughs> because syncing is like super, super hard. And it, ha it carries, a. I mean, in terms of like what people think when they say sync. Um, and, you know, that's something that is pretty hard to do and typically has to be done at a very low level database level. Like there are databases that have quote unquote replication engines. And those are real and they do actually do sync and replication. But most databases don't have replication engines built into them. So what we're talking about is passing data back and forth. That's what that's what when we when we I think what is common when when we say sync in terms of a FileMaker system, that's really what we mean. There's no sync at the database level built into FileMaker. Right. But so in the old days, so we built several systems like this. GoZinc was one for doing mobile apps with Go, synchronizing, and we, we called it GoZinc because it wasn't because Martha. No, because it yes, wasn't because Martha. Right. It sounded like it sounded like Sync, but it wasn't exactly. I have, I have a plausible deniability sticker. From, and then if you from, think about like like LedgerLink, our system LedgerLink, which is about updating records in QBO when your data changes in FileMaker, it's kind of the same thing. So how we would, so, 
two things to know about that is we never did deletes. Like we never processed deletes from FileMaker to LedgerLink and we never did it backwards either. There were two reasons. One is it, you couldn't do it in FileMaker easily. There wasn't really a way to capture deletes that we could sell as a product and say, oh, by the way, this is going to work with any of your systems, you know, like hook this up to your invoice and it will delete. We couldn't do that because your invoice table, we weren't, we weren't controlling it. We didn't know how you built it. There wasn't really a way to do it. The second thing is, is that the other side of the system, like, in, and the other thing is like um, syncing between two absolutely identical systems is one thing. Syncing between, say, your FileMaker representation of an invoice and QuickBook Online's representation of an invoice is completely different. Those two systems are not the yeah. same. They have different validation rules, different business rules, and there's really there's really no way that you can do quote unquote syncing there because, um, for example, you might want to delete an invoice in your FileMaker system, but in your QuickBook system, the period's been closed. The the accountants come in and the accountants come in and they close the system. It's the end of the year. They do it every quarter. They lock all the invoices before that. There is no deletion of an invoice that's possible because QuickBooks has already locked it. It's done. So you run into all those kinds of rules. So those are all the caveats to say around syncing. <laughs> but in terms of like, does it make it easier to build these kinds of systems? Absolutely. So what we had to do for LedgerLink was we had a field an auto, a, a, cal, a field in every table called QBO send. And any time a value in that record changed, it would get flipped from a zero to one. And then the quote unquote sync process would find all the records in the, all the invoices, let's say that hadn't been synced or needed to be modified. So they now have a one in it and it would send them to QuickBooks. And when it got a successful send to QuickBooks back, it would then flip that zero that one back to zero and so that's how we would know that it would work so we can now do that much much easier now we don't necessarily have to do a search on that later we can actually have that be part of the process of sending right we still may have to have a zero or one field in there because it's possible that you made a change to your invoice but that change wasn't accepted to quickbooks so you still have to deal with it in some way right but now this does become much easier in terms of that. I don't know if this is getting too much of the weeds, Corn and Martha, but uh, related data or whatnot for that mm -hmm. on-window transaction, how does that get captured or is it just for a, the single record on that table? Nope. It's any, so it's, it's part of a transaction. So any records that are modified um, as part of that transaction are included. And so if you look at the JSON payload, it will have the file name and then it will have each table name that was modified, and then it'll have an array of records that were modified as part of that transaction. So if I have a client um, record, and then I, I modified, say, the due date of three invoices, then I'm going to get a JSON packet that's going to have a table client. It's going to have that record modifications. Then I'm going to get a table um, invoice. It's going to have an array of three records that were modified there. Okay. Yeah. And it works on the cascading deletes that respects it too. So if you have a yep. job that has three related tasks and you delete the job and the tasks are a cascading delete, the um, the JSON that you get will include all, all four of those records. So it include the one job and the three tasks that got deleted. So you, mm -hmm. and, and we, we were working on a, on a, a field definition that would basically have all of the fields for that table that weren't calculated. So that way you can have a, yep. you can have a representation of what that full record looked like. Um, yeah. So if you needed to rebuild the, the data or the records, you could do that, right? You could run a process later, set it to simple queue and say, go recreate this deleted record um, if you needed to. And I, and I think yeah. we're going to, we're still planning to do that podcast on this, on this feature. Yeah. 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 Yes. Totally. yeah so we're going to get into that deeply and hope, and hopefully show some demos of that. And I think we're supposed to do that. I don't know when it is, but soon we're supposed to do that podcast. So, but in terms, of, in terms demo of file together. simple queue, <laughs> now it makes it really easy to send these things off to simple queue. You don't have to add an, yeah. another process. You can just yeah. have a script that's watching your, your, um, your shipments, let's say. And when your shipments change, you can just fire the, the change off to, off to simple queue. Yeah. I think that's great. It's, uh, and you already mentioned it, but it's replacing that 
script to gather all those modified ones mm -hmm. and run a process to send those messages. You can just do it in line with whatever you were already doing, yeah. which I think is really helpful. Corin, you and I talked about adding some other things to SimpleQ at some point, and I'm curious if 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 um, we can remember if some of those are. And also, Mike, actually, maybe let's start with Mike. What what kind of things would you like to see added? What what things would make SimpleQ even better for you and your business? XML. That's, that's what I heard. XML. Yeah. <laughs> oh, XML. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be fair, one of the uh, processes we run is actually. You know, converting a <laughs> WooCommerce file into XML to That's import awesome. into this legacy system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, um, you know, I haven't really come across any limitations. There's one, there's one thing that becomes a little tricky to um, potentially uh, manage is if you're tracing or trying to chase these file um, authorization issues Yeah. where if you've migrated um, and there's something wrong with your setup where those, um, IDs or whatever aren't perfect. Um, you might need to reset those file permissions. Um, and you, it, it's, you can see that the, the thing or the message, um, failed to send. Um, yeah. but sometimes it'd be difficult to know exactly why. Right. Yeah. And now having used it, uh, it's always the only thing that's ever caused it to kind of break is when I've done a migration and there's been an issue with that file, um, permissions. Um, or authorization, but aside from that, um, it's been rock solid. Um, there was one one thing on the auto side, um, you know, where there was a limit to the size of the payload. But uh, with with your help there, Todd, we actually we found a workaround with that. So there, I haven't come across you know something that I haven't uh, been able to make work with that whole. I think we've actually increased that payload too now in the newest versions of auto. I think it was oh. Okay. It's 50 megabytes now, so it should be big. Enough. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it was, was limited. We were, we were a few, kilo, we were a few kilobytes, you know, away from the limit <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is all that yeah. separated us. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, the, the file authorization issues are real and I don't, we haven't had a good way to deal with that yet. Um, and also just having to do your adding, having to set up your file, ex, your external file references again after right. the migration. We got to look at the patch tool, Corn. We got to look at the patch yeah. tool and see if we can process that and see if there's a yeah. way to update those as part of a migration. Yeah, that's definitely on my on my radar. Um, as far as simple queue, um, think of a couple of things that I wanted to do there. One was exponential backoff, mm. um, because a lot of times what will happen is the reason that the message isn't delivered is simply because your system's down for whatever reason. You're performing maintenance or something. And simple queue is going to retry a number of times, but after it retries, you know, whatever the limit is, um, I think there's a hard coded limit that can be overridden with a parameter. Um, once it's retried that number of times, it's not going to try anymore, yeah. but with exponential back off, what will happen is it'll try, you know, maybe in a couple of seconds, then maybe in a minute and then maybe in 15 minutes. And, you know, it's so it exponentially each retry gets farther and farther out so that if you do have an intermittent thing where like, I'm migrating this file. I've got a new version of it here that I'm in the process of migrating. You're not going to miss those messages just because it was down for an hour or down for five minutes. Even um, what'll happen is simple cues, you know, additional retries will be so much farther out that there's a higher likelihood that it'll actually be successful on a retry. Right. Um, another issue is I wanted to add, and we had to cut this before release because it just wasn't something we could get in there and test. But I want to add in the ability to do um, delivery of messages via DAPI. And that gets overcome some of the file authorization stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the it's going to be best done with auto because you know authenticating via the FileMaker data API, um, auto makes that easy. <laughs> and, and I don't want to do it um, outside of using auto um, just because managing all of those tokens and everything is like, why would you do it without auto? Um, That's a good point, Corn. We got to look. Uh, doing it with auto is pretty easy to do. That it, to do it that really delivery. is. Yeah, and I, so, I have implemented that in one case. Uh, I found that out okay. is is just using the auto URL was enough to. Uh, it was it was a the issue we ran into is you know you ran the perform script on server, but I hadn't remembered to open another file you know yep. um, before making that question. So. 
when it tried to run it on the server and the other file wasn't open, it just said, Hey, I can't mm -hmm. do it, but doing it through auto resolve that limitation. I'm also thinking about like Claris server versus FileMaker server, which is going to become a thing as the Claris platform rolls yeah. out, people will want to try the Claris server without shifting their entire app over to, you know, to the, mm -hmm. to the, from the Claris and uh, with SimpleQ, you'd have a nice bridge between that. You could start a new app yeah. over in, in the Claris platform and still have it communicating back and forth. So that that trick would that trick would be yeah. good for that as well. Um, one of the ones that I think would be useful is right now there's one queue, and in theory you could have multiple queues, and those queues could have different priorities um, uh, and or different schedules essentially. And one of the ways this, this would this would be nice is we talked about this before. If if you have some situation where you've got these low priority messages coming in, but they just for whatever reason, there's a, a ton of them. And then you've got a high priority message that gets shoved way in the back behind that that stack of low priority messages. It could take several minutes for that for that for that queue to flush down to that high priority mm -hmm. message. And we could have a couple different queues that are running on different schedules, or even if they're all running every minute, some of them are only used for high priority. So there's just a few in there and then the other ones are low priority and they can stack up. Something like that I think would be useful. Maybe we do like, I don't know, maybe it's every 15 minutes, every 10 minutes, five minutes, one minute, something like that. And then when you publish a message, you would choose the priority level, something like that, to uh, yeah. to then say, is this should this message be should, should this message essentially skip to the top? I guess that's another way we could. No, that's the way to do it because you couldn't just <laughs> set a flag on the record itself because once that thing gets its found set, that order is set. So, yeah. and if you've got if it's found a thousand records, it's going to chew through those thousand in that order. And if you got new messages coming in at that time. You would like another process to find it and do it. Yep. Another one. So that that seems like something we should we should get to at some point. That's very cool. Well, it's nice to hear that SimpleQ is alive and well and being used, and that it's not just at end of life and it's just surviving. Like there's new features coming, new thoughts, and I, I love to it's, hear that. It's it's pretty key. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like I think you know one of the things that it's really changed the game for for us in terms of how we build stuff is especially when you're working really fast and you don't actually know what it is you're trying to build. You're just trying to solve a business problem like right now. You can do that, you know, in this kind of like throw up a new file and like try some things and get it working, test it out. And you can just move really, really quickly. And you don't have to sit down and, and like go through like, okay, we need to add this feature to this big thing. And we have to think through all the potential consequences of what happens if we change all this stuff. We can just solve a problem, get it into, get it in, get it in working, try out all the variations of that because it's in this own little isolated file, right? And then, okay, we got it. Now we can decide, okay, we have a working feature. We know exactly what it needs to do. Should we now move it into the main app? And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no, but in either case, we've learned a heck of a lot about what that thing needs to do. And we're already getting value from it before it's done. So it just really loosens up um, your ability to move fast on solving business problems, you know, by just making things very isolated and and keeping them integrated with the system, but without having to potentially, you know, either take a long time to ship it or break something else that's working, mm -hmm. right? Which is the other problem you might have. You do that kind of thing. I can't and imagine I, I trying to build a complex filemaker system without it anymore. It's pretty key. I do feel like the cadence of the work that we were doing with Martha and Barbara did shift once she finally, you know, made good on that offer to send a file. <laughs> and uh, it was and Todd's we got up on my server. I say <laughs> but no, I, I there's a lot of truth to that. Um, the, the cadence changed, and it just seemed like you know um, there were a lot more options. You know, we didn't have to think through things as much. We could just say. What's the priority? If it's a if it's a high enough priority, let's just make that work now, and we don't. Have to, it, it's it's progress over perfection. You know, just keep moving forward. 
it's pretty, that's pretty important. That's a real challenge for engineers. Um, uh, be, because it's easy to get, it's easy to get, to get really into the technical details of something and that's fun and we all love doing it. And, and if, yeah, uh, if you, if you get down in those weeds deep enough, you might lose perspective on the business value that a new feature may have. And you might be, you know, it just gets really easy to push something on down the road where, you know, you've got customers and users who need stuff ASAP. And that's actually has value if we can deliver to that to them right now, as opposed to like some theoretical value, we might be able to ship to them someday down the road, you know? And so keeping that, keeping progress going, keeping people feel like they're, they're getting their, their needs met on a regular basis, as opposed to waiting for something just helps build momentum in the project, right? You just keep that progress going. Uh, and that's super, super valuable. Agreed. All right. I don't know if we've said that SimpleQ is free. Anybody can yes. download it, right? SimpleQ.proofgeist.com. Oh. I thought you were going to tell them to go to our shop and buy it. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Simple dot, we'll cut this. <laughs> I think Martha just said it. What is it? SimpleQ.proofgeist.com. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Free, yeah. downloadable, all the things. Yep. Um, this is awesome. I really do love to hear when things like this get put into practice. And Mike, it's always nice to get to chat with you. So thank you all for joining. Uh, Mike, we'll have to have you on again. It sounds like you're going to yeah. tell us all the use cases for callbacks, for performance script on service <laughs> yeah. callbacks. So uh, yeah. so we'll have to bring you on for that. But I'll get to work all right, on that. Thank you all. This is awesome. All right. We'll thank talk you soon. very much. Thanks. Thanks awesome. very much. Appreciate thank it. You. Just as a reminder, this is available on YouTube and as a podcast, and make sure you check out the show notes as there are a lot of links to share there. If you can take a minute to pause and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it, but better yet, if you can share it with a friend, that would be pretty awesome. No matter what your role is in this community, you're proof of how amazing this Claris community really is. My job is to help spread your knowledge and your stories on the podcast. Find me on Twitter at MZ123 or at ProofGeist, and let's share your story.